Hi, hello, how are you? My name is Elizabeth Dale and I am a Cornish writer who just seems to spend every waking moment trying to discover unusual, strange, bizarre, um, little known stories of Cornish history just for your delectation. So, how are you today? How's things going? I'm recording this on a very grey, flat grey January day, so I'm hoping the story that I'm going to tell you is just going to cheer you up a little bit, brighten your day a little bit. Actually, I'm thinking about the content and I'm realising that it probably won't. (laughs) But anyway, we'll just go with it. Um, (laughs) It's a good start, isn't it? I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, I'm hoping that you're going to be really excited and interested about what I'm telling you, but ultimately it's not a cheery story. Anyway, moving on. Um, This is my 20th episode. How did we get here? Um, And I was thinking back and I remember telling you guys, I think it was in the second episode, how much I I love prehistory and how that's always been a bit of a passion of mine. But recently I've realised that I'm really into Tudor history as well and it seems to be popping up in my writing quite a lot. All those kings and queens, you know, they're sort of these powerful, unforgettable figures and of course there was all that sort of intrigue around the Tudor court as well. Over on my blog I've written about King Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn and their visit um, to the Roseland. I think I wrote that back last year sometime but much more recently I wrote about Anne Bassett um, which was this incredible sort of fascinating true story of a Cornish girl who became one of King Henry VIII's mistresses and some say she nearly became one of his wives. Anyway this story is really set in the Tudor period as well um, and it revolves around one of the most sort of critical turning points really in British history, the Spanish Armada. And probably most of you are thinking that Cornwall really doesn't have much connection to the Spanish Armada but in actual fact the first place that the Armada was sighted on mainland Britain was supposedly off Lizard Point in July 1588. And when you're standing on that cliff top today, I think it's really easy to kind of imagine that scene. You've got that vast vista of sea out in front of you and how frightening it must have been for anyone that was standing there and watching that great fleet of enemy ships passing on the horizon. And that person, they rushed off and they did um, what they'd been told to do. They lit one of the beacons. And this was a prearranged signal that had been in place for many years, perhaps even centuries. Um, There was this great chain of beacons that stretched out um, all across Cornwall and beyond. And you can imagine it in your mind's eye, the glow of each of these fires jumping from one hilltop to the next, to the next and to the next, right up across the country to warn everyone um, that the enemy was coming, that the enemy had arrived on our coast. I think that one of the last times that this chain of beacons was lit, if I'm remembering rightly, it was something like the celebration of Queen Victoria's Jubilee, something like that. Anyway, unfortunately, there was a small fishing boat out of Falmouth that was completely oblivious to this danger. 
Whether they saw the beacons alight or not, we will never know because the crew of that little ship, who we are talking about today, well, they never returned home. So let's briefly backtrack just a little bit and talk um, just really quickly about the Armada and how we got to this point. So um, from the moment that the Protestant Queen Elizabeth ascended the throne uh, in 1559, England's relationship with Catholic Spain began to deteriorate. It seems that King Philip of Spain, who had been married to Elizabeth's predecessor Mary, he kind of felt that he had some kind of claim to the English throne. It's entirely possible that he saw Elizabeth as a woman reigning alone, as a weak, kind of an easy target. Um, and his mind quickly turned to invasion and Spain began building a great fleet of ships. Now, tensions were high all over the country, but Cornwall in particular was well aware of its vulnerability just because of its proximity to Spain. Um, and the whole of the southwest began improving their coastal defences around this time, just really in anticipation of a Spanish invasion. In 1584, Francis Godolphin and Sir William Mohan, um, they were appointed deputy lieutenants by Queen Elizabeth and ordered to make all necessary preparations. So as well as this line of beacons, extra ordnance, cannons, cannonballs, that kind of thing were sent to St Michael's Mount and there was a muster held in many of the parishes in Cornwall. Basically, any man that could hold a weapon was assembled into a kind of ragtag force of an estimated 5,000 men. And of course, while these preparations were all happening on land, many of the south coast towns of Cornwall were preparing to send ships and men to join the English fleet. There are stories of both Foy and Lou sending ships and men, um, and other places almost certainly added to those numbers as well. John Rashley, who was the man that built Menabilly House near Foy, is said to have fought with distinction in the Armada in his ship, the Francis of Foy. And it is thought that um, during the final conflict, as many as 7,760 Cornishmen were actually part of that victorious English fleet. The Cornish Telegraph wrote in 1888, We may be certain that the gallants of Foy and our sturdy Cornish fishermen were not idle in such stirring times. It is on record that at least one of the ships which distinguished themselves was commanded by a Cornishman. And that's probably um, referring to John Rashley. But we are jumping ahead of ourselves a little bit because before that final outcome, the armada of roughly 130 ships has just been spotted off the Lizard and was making this uh, progress along the Cornish coast. Now out at sea on board those ships, and I should apologise here for my Spanish pronunciation, Alonso Perez de Guzman, the Duke of Medina Sidonia, had been appointed by the King Philip of Spain as the commander of the Armada. 
Guzman was from a noble family and while he was considered competent and modest and tactful, he was perhaps not entirely suited to his new role. He had very little military experience either on land or at sea and admitted that he knew very little about his enemy or Spanish war tactics and perhaps worst of all for a commander of a great navy ship he suffered from severe bouts of seasickness. Anyway on board Spain's fleet it's said that tensions were very high Um, None of them knew what they were sailing towards. The weather was particularly poor um, and they didn't really know where the British Navy was. Um, They suspected that they were waiting for them in Plymouth and everyone was really nervous about where any kind of possible attack was going to come from. According to the writer R.J. Lander in his report for the 1974 Old Cornwall magazine, original Spanish documents discovered amongst the papers of um, the Duke of Medina Sidonia record what went on on those ships during that time and what action they decided to take. So the following quote actually comes from those private papers of the Duke's and has been sort of translated from the Spanish and it says quote on the 30th of July at dawn The armada was very near the shore. We were seen by the people on the land who made signal fires and in the afternoon the Duke sent Ensign Juan Gill out on a rowing boat to obtain intelligence. And this is the moment where the lives of four ordinary fishermen on a small boat out of Falmouth dramatically collide with the Spanish armada. You see, it must have been a very proud moment for the Ensign Gill when he was given such an important mission. And so he must have thought that it was an enormous stroke of luck when he and his crew managed to ambush a small boat that was trying to return to Falmouth Harbour after a night's fishing. The Spanish overpowered the poor Cornishmen on their on their little boat and they brought them on board the Spanish ship, the San Martin. The Spanish documents also record this encounter and it says Ensign Gill returned at night with four Englishmen in a boat, hailing, as they said, from Falmouth. They reported that they had seen the English fleet leave Plymouth that afternoon under Lord Admiral of England and Drake. So basically the Spanish were trying to get intelligence out of these Cornish fishermen as to where the Royal Navy were um, and they told them that the, the fleet had left Plymouth but whether the Spanish actually believed this information or not um, isn't clear. And almost certainly not, because it seems as if the Spanish already had got wind or had worked out that the English fleet were trapped in Plymouth Harbour by an incoming tide. But of course, I don't really know that for sure. And the other thing that we don't know for sure is what happened to our Falmouth men. The Spanish documents suggest that they were interrogated on the San Martin until the early hours of the morning of the 31st of July 1588 and after that we can only guess.
their release was probably very unlikely. That would have meant that they were free to return to Falmouth with any, any intelligence that they had gleaned about the Armada. Um, and of course, if they had returned to Cornwall, we would know much more about their stories now. And besides, where was their boat? Um, <laughs> there are a few other possibilities and none of them are really good. Um, the unlucky men may simply have just been killed and thrown overboard, but what is more likely is that they were press-ganged into working as oarsmen on, uh, on one of the Spanish ships. You see, the fighting ships of the Spanish Armada were propelled either by sail or by two teams of oarsmen working in shifts, and this made them very manoeuvrable. It meant that if there was no wind or a contrary tide, they could still move using their oars. Each ship had 15 oars on each side and each of those oars had five men, um, which meant that one galley alone could have 300 plus fit men on board. So obviously um, it's entirely possible that after interrogating our Cornishmen, they were taken below and they were chained to one of those oars. And sadly, if that is the case, their chances of survival were very slim, considering the terrible conditions that they would have had to work in and the fact that the Armada's um, subsequent defeat meant that much of the fleet was destroyed. Um, the writer Lander says that cannon fire would be intentionally directed at the rowing decks of the Spanish ships in order to disable them. And we know that the flagship uh, San Lorenz uh, was driven ashore at Calais and boarded and pillaged. Um, then there was the Girona, uh, the Neapolitana, and uh, the Zungia. Sorry about the pronunciations again. Now, all three of these ships actually did escape the initial destruction of the Spanish fleet, but they were forced to flee around the long route around the top of Scotland. I think partly because of the weather, because of the prevailing winds, but also the poor galley slaves were forced to row the whole time to try and keep control of these ships. And in fact, the um, Girona, it was packed with more than a thousand men that had actually been rescued from other wrecked Spanish ships. And unfortunately, she went down near the Giant's Causeway um, near Northern Ireland. And there were only nine survivors out of an estimated 1,300 men on board. So ultimately what I'm trying to tell you is the chances of our four Falmouth boys surviving is pretty slim. Of the 130 ships of the Spanish Armada, more than 60 I think were lost. England didn't lose any, which meant that although most of the Spanish losses were said to be due to foul weather, it was still written down obviously as a victory for England and sort of reasserted their position as a powerful force at sea. Now by the way some of the timber from those wrecked Spanish vessels is said to have been used to build a staircase in Penfound Manor near Bude. Now this is the most amazing house that I've written about on, on my blog. Um, it's said to be the oldest inhabited house in England and has just the most amazing history. So if you want to read more about that, pop over to my blog and search for Penfound Manor. 
it said that around 15,000 men from the Spanish force died and just 100 men from the English force. But I don't expect that our Cornish fishermen would have even been counted amongst that number. Our fishermen's fate, whatever it was, will probably never be known because they never made it home uh, to tell us their story. I always love stories that connect Cornwall and Cornish people to those big events that we all learnt about at school. I don't know, it kind of, for me, just brings it all to life. So I really hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you're enjoying the blog overall. I am going to try and upload more episodes in the future, um, maybe more than once a month if I can actually get it together to do it. It does take um, a lot of time and effort. And on that note, uh, many of you might have noticed that I have started a Patreon page, those of you that follow me online anyway. Um, And that is just really to try and help me cover the costs of of doing um, this podcast, of of running my blog and my website. Um, I don't make any money from advertising. The only money that I make um, out of my blog and from this podcast is from your generosity. Um, So if you enjoy what I do, if, if you like the stories that I tell, if I brighten up your Saturday morning with my blog post and if you like listening to me wittering on this podcast, um, really consider just for a moment um, becoming a patron. Uh, It only costs £3 a month, um, which I think is a bargain. Uh, And for me, every little helps. So I would really, really appreciate it. And uh, also, if you've enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to like, to share and to comment so that I can get more listeners. Thanks ever so much for being here. Thank you for listening to me wittering on again. Um, I'd love to hear what you think about this story. Please do get in touch. I'll speak to you soon. Bye.